0: Two uh, of a series we're calling Unseen, uh, taking a journey for four weeks, uh, talking about the third part of the Trinity, the the Holy Spirit. If you missed last week and you call Action Church home, I really feel like these four weeks uh, are vital uh, for your spiritual formation, for your foundation of of what we believe, making sure we have a proper view of this third person of the Trinity, the the Holy Spirit. Before we get into week two, uh, I want to highlight just something we were able to do together this week. At Action Church, we have an amazing a ministry called action recovery that meets here at our winter park location but this semester we started an action recovery small group at sanford as we get ready to launch the full thing very very soon and they just finished their 12 steps and We actually had one of our members, there. several members from uh, uh, Teen Challenge are coming over and finding community there, really next steps in in their recovery, but we're also, we saw this week, one of our our church members who's been battling uh, addiction, uh, another church member found a place in New York where she could go with her kids and spend a year in recovery, keeping the family united as she fights for her freedom. And so, just so uh, grateful for those of you that call Action Church home that makes stories like that possible. You may never meet uh, that woman or that family, but because of your generosity, because of what we get to do together, we are seeing both eternities changed and lives changed as well. And so so grateful uh, to call Action Church home myself and and give to the mission here. Unseen week two, talking about the Holy Spirit. We talked last week, uh, starting off, that, that a lot of times we leave out the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can produce some weird things, and we decided last week that the Holy Spirit isn't weird that you are, and that I am, and so we found some some funny things in a a teaching series, some weird things that we all do. I I don't know about you, but there's some weird things that that I do. I I found this one online, and and I do this a few times a year. Some of you probably do it way more than I do. How many of you, when you get home, maybe a, a door's left open? Uh, maybe a window's cracked, maybe a light's on that you didn't think was on, and you will go around your whole house looking for the murderer. That's right, that's right, that's right. Not with a with a gun, and I'm not trying to make a political statement, but probably just with like a bat or anything that you can find, a hammer. And, and if you get to a certain point in your home, you've looked everywhere, you probably go in your hall bath, pool bath, guest bathroom, and you've got a shower slash tub with a curtain on it. And we all stand there and look at it. And we're like, they're not anywhere else. They're probably right there. And we either slam it back or we jump into it. Some of you do that every night. You can't get in the bathroom without pulling back the shower curtain because you feel like the person waiting to murder you is standing right there it's a weird thing to do. Why are they hiding there? And if they were there, are you actually prepared to do anything about it? Probably not. Some weird things that we all do, some weird habits. You ever seen somebody yawn over and over just so they could smell their own breath? Like, you know, you smell just you're like, oh, no. Here's my last one this week. I got a lot of content. I got to get out of fun and into teaching. But uh, how many of you, always are obsessed like I am well I speak for a living I'm in front of people I'm always checking a mirror checking my phone or asking Gabby is there anything in my teeth anybody ever like do I have something in my teeth but here's the weird thing how many of you will pick your teeth with anything you can find it doesn't matter what it is just me I mean it doesn't matter if it fits I'll do it I'll find something in the car I'll fold up a piece of paper that's disgusting but we all do it. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People have made him weird. I want to go a journey today talking about his role. What is the role of the Holy Spirit? I found a thought that I want to read to you because I think too many of us are doing life without the power of the Holy Spirit. I found this quote. Atheists don't profess to have a relationship with the Father. Jewish people don't profess to have a relationship with the Son. But too many Christians don't acknowledge or have a relationship With the Holy Spirit. And if we leave out a member of the Trinity, do we really have a true relationship with God? Like, can we actually have a fulfilling, full, authentic, intimate relationship with God if we leave out one part of the Trinity? So I want to give you three reasons today why I believe some of us could be doing life without the Holy Spirit. And then I want to give you five points today on his role in your life. Three things Three reasons why we're doing life without him, and then five things that he can and do in your life if you allow him to move. Acts chapter 19, we read it last week. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, and he arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and they asked him, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We had not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And and that is the first point today. One of the reasons that we we would do life without the Holy Spirit is we don't know him like we don't know him. Maybe we're scared. Maybe it's false teaching that's caused us to be pushed away. Maybe it's ignorance. Maybe we're just new. We didn't even know. Maybe we're like here in Acts chapter 19. It's not that they had false teaching. It's not that they were scared. They said, we haven't even heard. I believe there are dozens, if not hundreds of you today in our auditoriums that may say, I I just never heard. I have sang about it. I kind of get it, but I've never heard. What is the Trinity? What is the Holy Spirit? What is the person of the Holy Spirit? And it's a great time to be at Action Church if you have those questions. He is a person. He is a friend. He is fully God. That's the second one. Write this down. Reasons we would do life without the Holy Spirit. We don't believe he is actually God. We believe that he's less than, that A lot of times you see people, they have the Father, then they have the Son, then they have the Holy Spirit. No, it's a triune being, it's a trinity, three equal parts with distinct roles, but a part of the same person, the trinity of God. Father and Jesus are real, but so is the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter five, verse three and four, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? You've not lied to men, but to God, making it very clear that the Holy Spirit is God. at action church we we classify ourselves as a spirit filled church we We believe that the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit that moved throughout the New Testament didn't stop with the New Testament church if. If Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and he said, it is better that I give you this gift so that I go away, there's no way that he would have taken that gift away. So we believe in the full operation of the power of the Holy Spirit. We are a Spirit-filled church, but in context of this point, we're a God-filled church. Like, there's actually no option. I I don't know how you do it. We talked about it last week. You you can do it. You can receive Jesus and, and not operate in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit, but You're gonna row to your destination instead of sail to your destination. Maybe we don't know him. Maybe we don't believe that he is God. Here's the third one. Why we would do life without the Holy Spirit. We resist him. We resist him. We set ourselves up in such a way that we are in control, that we lead our own life, and we, we know he's there, but we resist his speaking. We resist his, leading. It says this in the book of Acts chapter 7, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. This is probably the one that that catches most of us. If you've been in church, if you've had a relationship with God, you, you probably know the Holy Spirit you probably have a good theological stance that you believe that he is equally God. So if I'm talking to the Christians and why do we do life with the Holy Spirit, it's probably this one right here because we resist him, catch this, because we love control. Americans love opinions and love control. We love our independence. Now to be very clear, I, I love our Political independence, I love that we live in a free nation that we're free to preach the gospel, but when it comes to our relationship with God, a lot of us resist the Holy Spirit because we like to be in control. When we talk about surrendering our will to God's will, we're good with that with salvation, but when it comes to walking that out, we resist it. Are you like me where you pray for something and you get the answer, you're like, Nah, I'm going to keep praying. (coughs) I don't like that one. Give me another one. Multiple choice. Next answer. He's like, no, I I gave you the plan. No, 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 I don't. Oh, we treat the Holy Spirit like a buffet where we can pick and choose where we want him to be a part of our life. Why are we doing life without the power of the Holy Spirit is because we pick and choose which areas we give him control in. And that's not how it works. A life surrendered to the Holy Spirit is a life of power, but it is a life of surrender. We resist him, therefore he is not in control, therefore he cannot move in all the ways that he wants to move in our life. Why are we doing life without the Holy Spirit? We don't know him, we don't believe he is God, or we resist him by settling for control. We need to stop resisting and receive all that he has for us, but to do that, to receive, we have to release control. You will never receive all that God has for you in your life, in your relationships, in your calling, in whatever it is, by holding on to control. We release and then we receive. So what is his role? Let's say we stop resisting. Let's say we stop controlling. Let's say we believe he's fully God and we go on a journey to to fully get to know him. What is his role and what does he do? I'm here to tell you today that the Holy Spirit was given to you to be the best friend that you would ever have. That we have access, not through a veil, not through a a step-by-step program, not through a religion. We have access to the living God that lives on the inside of us that can and will be your best friend. He will be so much more than anybody else could ever be. Jesus, in John 14 through 16, he makes five statements, five he will statements about the Holy Spirit. He says, it's better that I go away because I'm sending this gift to you that is the Holy Spirit. And if you know John's gospel and you know John 14 through 16, we're, we're getting into the end of Jesus' life. We're actually at the Last Supper. He's washing the feet of the disciples. And so the last conversation that he ever has with his followers, he spent three years with them. Over three years, he could have had this conversation at any point. And I don't know about you, but, but I've got two boys, and if I knew that tomorrow that I was going to be falsely accused and arrested, and by the end of the week that I would be dead, my last moments, my last conversations, would, I would have said the most important things in my heart and on my mind for them. So too many of us are doing life without the Holy Spirit, and we see Jesus in John 14, 15, and 16 taking the last opportunity to teach, the last opportunity to communicate, the last opportunity to share his heart with his disciples, and he's talking to them about the Holy Spirit. If Jesus says it's better that I go away, if Jesus says that you will do greater things, if Jesus takes the last moments of his life with his followers to talk about the Holy Spirit, you and I cannot live a powerful, fulfilling, hope-filled life without the Holy Spirit. But we have to know what he's doing, how he's moving, what he's, what's available to us. What is the Holy Spirit's role in your life, he is your best friend. There's five things that I want to give you today practically that is his role in your life. Write this down. He will be with me. He will be with me. Jesus says in John 14 verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. A better term in the Greek is comforter. To be with you forever forever. The promise is once we receive Jesus, he will be with us, but I want to ask you, what does that look like in your life? If the promise is he will be with you, how are you taking advantage? How are you utilizing? How are you leaning in to that relationship in which you are promised? What does it look like in your life? It says he will be a, a comforter, a comforter. I don't know about you, but I, I love my comforter in my bed. I, I, for too many years, I was cheap when it came to, to bedding, and now I've got a comforter. I could, I could go take a nap right now. I could just cuddle up in this auditorium. You probably need a comforter. It went from hell to, to Antarctica in here in about three weeks, and I love it. I absolutely love it. A good comforter is, is amazing. Well, the boys are getting used to some new things at, at my house uh, since, since Gabby has, has moved in. And she's making a, a house, a home. She's warming it up. She's taking the, the hotel uh, daily and turning it into a house. She said it felt like a hotel. There wasn't a whole lot of decorations. There wasn't a whole lot of anything other than paper plates and plastic cups and plastic spoons. Not one dish done for a couple of years. Just didn't have time for that. King's first statement when I, he found out that Gabby was going to move in, he's like, do we get to use real plates now? <laughs> yes, son. Yes, we do. We start buying some decorations and some blankets and some towels and some different things for the guest bathroom. And, and there's two blankets on the couch and there's towels in the guest room. And my boys can't figure out why there's now things in our house that they can't use. Kingston comes out, and Gabby says, a decorative towel. He's like, no, it's a towel, and I'm naked and wet, and I want to use it. She goes, no, you have your own towels. He goes, I do not understand this new conundrum in our household, that we have fully functioning blankets and towels that nobody can use. I heard a story about one time where a wife went and bought a very expensive duvet, $1,000, just beautiful, amazing, and the husband gets into the The bed, he notices that DeVay's not there. He says, where's the $1,000 comforter that I just bought you? She goes, oh, no, no, no. That's not for use. That's for decoration. It's folded up at the end of the bed. He goes, wait a second. We have things in this house that we pay for that we just look at. It's a long way to get to this idea that a lot of us have the Holy Spirit as a decoration in our house. He's decorative, and he's celebrated, and he's looked at, and he's even interacted with when guests are over on a Sunday. But when it comes to actually using it and using the purpose of it, we've settled for something to look at as opposed to use. The Holy Spirit is not a decorative thing. He is a vital thing. In your life, it's not meant to be folded up at the end of the bed or folded up at the end of the couch. It's not meant to be folded up and gotten out once or twice a week or when you're in a panic or when you're in a hurry or when you've forgotten something else and you just pull it out. No, no, no. He, it's meant to be utilized. He, you don't have a part time relationship with your best friend. You don't have a, a Holy Spirit just to be decorative and to look at and to sound good in songs. He will be with you. Thank you, Pastor Eddie. Amen. We're this way. For too many of us, the Holy Spirit is for looks, not for use. It's for decoration, not for impact. And he's the only one who is by your side. Theologically speaking, the Father is in heaven. Jesus is at the right hand, and he gave us the Holy Spirit who empowers us and enables us. He will be with you. Here's the second one. He will make scripture come alive. He will make scripture come alive. But the counselor, John 14, the, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. It's this idea of, of revelation. If, if you've been following God, for any amount of time, you've read this thing over and over and over again, but but you read something and you find something new. Now, you don't find something that it doesn't actually mean. That's called out of context and that's called heresy. It's not like, oh, I've never heard that before, because you made it up. But in context, in in uh, 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 appropriate biblical doctrine, there are things in which the Holy Spirit will bring out to you and he will help scripture come alive. As you anybody love to read in here. I'm not a big reader, as you could probably tell. I'm from Birmingham. I'm not real smart. I have ADHD. And I've never really finished a book. You know, you get the point. You start reading it. You get a story. You skip a few pages. Like, I finished it, but never, like, page for page because it just gets boring in the middle. You know what I mean? A lot of, you start telling the same thing over and over again. I got it. You're telling me another story about the same point. Got the point. Next point. Okay. One of the cool things is, is to talk to, though, the author. I was uh, have the privilege. Of, we were doing dinner with John Bevere, Gabby, and I a few weeks ago. I was at dinner with John Maxwell just a couple of weeks ago, and talking to them about the books. That it's fascinating to talk to the author about the book. So you're not just reading it; you're actually figuring out where it came from and the. The, the life application and the journey in in their story to get them to to write that there's something about talking to the author of the book getting them to sign that book it's it's a moment and I'm here to tell you today you have access to the author of the book like you can read it and talk to what 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 happened here what was going on here how did Jesus feel here how what was what was happening in the hearts of the people what there's revelation available, but many of us read it like a cold, dead document as opposed to the living word of God, which can be even more exemplified and amplified by our relationship with the Holy Spirit. He will. Let it be a conversation. It is the word of God, the living word of God. Therefore, it can come to life. How does that happen? It happens through revelation. How does that happen? It happens through our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's more than reading, it's experiencing the word of God. I pray that as you develop a closer relationship with the Holy Spirit, that you wouldn't just read the Bible, that you would experience. You wouldn't just read the Bible, but check this out, old preacher quote, you wouldn't just read the Bible, you'd allow the Bible to read you. In such a way that it reveals something to you, but check out this next one, the Bible to read you, he will convict you of your sin. John 16, verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. We don't like to talk about sin anymore because it makes us uncomfortable. We love talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but not the primary functions of the Holy Spirit, which is to convict us of sin. The primary function of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's my last point. But one of the ways he points people to Jesus is by making us more like Jesus. It's the process of sanctification. And to do that, he must convict us of sin. That means you do some things wrong. Pastor, you can't tell me that. I'm not telling you that. God told you that. And I'm not judging you. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We, we all have sinned. So there's kind of two different main camps here. The one that's like, ah, I don't really believe in sin anymore. Well, I don't, I don't know how you can be a Christian and not believe in sin. Like, it's, it's kind of the gospel, that our sin separates us and Jesus died for us. We have another group that just likes to judge people that sin differently than they do. And both should be convicted today, that we have things in our life that, that we're sinning that's separating us from God, and those of us or you in different seasons, wherever you may sit, that that sit on the sidelines and you say, well, you're you're living in sin while not ever acknowledging what your own sin is. Just because your sin is hidden doesn't mean it's less than somebody else's. Just because your sin is accepted as not as morally bad doesn't mean that it's any less of a separation from you and God. I want to ask you today to to look in the mirror and to reflect through the Word of God, to allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to read you and to convict you of sin. What does conviction look like? It looks like clarity and change. It's not shame and guilt. If you feel trapped in your sin and you have a relationship with Jesus, that is an attack of the enemy that's called shame and guilt. Conviction is, oh my gosh, it's heavy, but there's always hope. Conviction is heavy, but there's hope because our conviction leads to repentance, and the Holy Spirit never points out something that he's going to leave there. He points it out so that he can cut it out. He points us out so that he can get us out. His conviction leads us to repentance. It shows us there are things in your life that you don't even know are killing you. Pastor Evan was sharing this example when we were in our meeting, uh, in our sermon planning meeting, and the coal mines back in the day, before they had technology, the coal miners would be deep, miles into the mountains, miles in underground, and they would always take a canary in a cage they take a canary in a cage because the canary would begin to freak out, and then once there was lack of oxygen, the canary would always die first. And I'm sorry for any animal lovers, but they would take the canary in, so when the canary got sick, they knew if this thing is freaking out, if this thing is dying, there's not enough oxygen here, we've got to move. Or there's a, a poisonous gas in here, it was more sensitive to the elements, and it would show them they've got to get out of here because this thing's going to kill you. The Holy Spirit is the same way. He is our canary in a cave and he will show us, hey, this is dangerous. Hey, you're getting close to being out of oxygen. Hey, I don't know how much longer you can make it if you keep going this way. And he will convict us and he will set us free and he will give us a way out. But you and I have to listen to that conviction, stop resisting, release control, and actually make some changes. Pastor, are you talking about a works-based faith that I have to prove something? No, but your faith should be proven. And that comes to listening to the Holy Spirit, being convicted of your sin, whatever it is, and then making a change. He will convict you of your sin, not to make you feel bad, but to set you free. Convict me of my sin. Here's the fourth one, the fourth he will that Jesus gives the disciples, John 16, verse 13. He will be my guide, he will be my guide. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears from the Father and he will tell you what is yet to come. He's gonna be your leader, he's gonna help you. And again, as Western society, as Americans, We don't like to be told what to do. Have you ever traveled before overseas? A lot of times, people don't like us. They're like, the arrogant Americans are here. And I'm like, well, I'm not arrogant. And then I remember a few years ago, I was traveling in a foreign country, so different that we're traveling on the opposite side of the road. Don't speak the language, but I'm in a, a taxi, and I'm in the back seat angry because I think we're going the wrong way. I can't read the signs. I can't speak the language. I've never been on that road before in my whole life. And I'm thinking, I don't think this guy knows what he's doing. This guy's an idiot for sure. He should have turned right. No idea. And yet that's how we... Treat the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't know. You're saying stop that. I think, I think I'm fine. You're saying I should go this way. Now, have you? Are you sure? No, he will be the best God in your life. And, and if I can explain the Trinity basically today, He is the tour guide. And here's how I've always explained it: the, the Father God plans the trip, Jesus pays for our trip. And the Holy Spirit guides us on our journey. So we we thank God for his will. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for these gifts. Thank you for placing me here on purpose and for a purpose. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your grace. Because without you paying for it, without your grace, I could not be saved and I could not be sustained through this life. And yet we stop there and we have so much left to do. If God was done with you, he would have taken you at your moment of salvation. And yet we're in a new world, a spiritual world, a kingdom in which we don't really know the directions and we don't really know the language and we've never really walked this path before and yet we're trying to lead our own way. I'm here to tell you, you have a tour guide. You have somebody who speaks the language, who cares for you, who loves you, who can point you in all wisdom, in all direction, in all power. He wants to guide you, Psalm 119, 105. He's a light and a lamp. Too many of us don't trust him because we want him to illuminate our whole life. And he just wants to give us the next step. That's why that verse is so powerful. We, we want a floodlight to the future. And he wants to give us a baby step because two reasons. One, he wants to make sure we trust him. And two, we couldn't handle the future if we saw it. So many of us want to know what's going to happen, and God's like, no, I need, I need to fix what's on the inside of you so you're ready for that, both good and bad. God's got a mountaintop in your future. He's got a ministry in your future. He's got a business in your future. He's got a great marriage in your future. He's got uh, amazing kids in your future. He needs to prepare you for the weight of that responsibility. He knows there's tragedy in your future. He knows that there's grief in your future. He can't show you everything. He's gotta prepare the strength and the fortitude and the peace on the inside of you to walk through it. It's not a floodlight to your future, it's a lamp. And he's a guide. Gotta trust him with each step. He will guide you to your future. Last one, and we'll close with this one. This is, The primary role of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the gifts next week. Specifically the non-manifestation gifts in 1 Corinthians. We're going to talk 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. But if we're not careful, in a spirit-filled church that loves to worship and loves to pray, loves to seek God, all amazing things. If we're not careful, we will change the Holy Spirit's primary role. And his primary role is, number five, he will help me point people to Jesus. His role, his primary function is to point people to Jesus. John 15, verse 26. When the counselor comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Every gift, every fruit, every guiding moment, every comfort, every peaceful situation, every moment of power should point to and testify and cause the praise of King Jesus. It's to point to salvation. It's to point to grace. It's to point to mercy. Everything that he's working in us and through us is not just for our own benefit. It's not just for our own peace. It's not just for our own comfort. It's to point people to the only one who can save them, and that is King Jesus. He will testify about Jesus. His gifts will testify about Jesus. His moving will testify about Jesus. His healing will testify about Jesus. His restoration will testify about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job description is to come and move and cleanse and clean and change and convict to testify about Jesus. My prayer all week is, you may not be ready to jump all in, that's okay, we talked about it last week, but I just, I'd love for you to take a first date this week. Just invite him in to an area of your life. I'm telling you, all ends better. I'm telling you that he is your best friend, but I get it, you've never done this before. Just, just open the word of God with a fresh perspective. Just start your day with not my will, but your will. What what are we going to do today? I'm not sure what I should do in the situation. Holy Spirit, what do you think? God, use me today in my, in my workplace or in my school just to testify about you. Just, just pick one of these five. He will as a promise, a gift. He will do these things. Will you receive them? You won't be disappointed. Holy Spirit is undefeated. God has never failed, and he's not going to start with your situation. You can trust him. Stop resisting and release. Stop doubting and trust that he is God, and you will find a comforter, a healer, an empowerer, a friend that I promise will make the great days better and will make the bad days survivable because he will walk through anything. He will guide you through anything in this world. Let's bow our heads at all of our locations. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we love you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. What a gift that we have, being able to have a relationship with the living God. I, I pray this week that you would give us fresh revelation. You would. Give us fresh power. You would allow us to look more like Jesus and point people to him as well. Thank you for meeting us here today. Church, with every head bowed and every eye closed, uh, I wanna give you an opportunity like we do every single week to have access to this gift. The Holy Spirit can be your best friend, but there is a, a step that you have to take to have access to a relationship with God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Bible says there's no way to God but through Jesus, which means we have to surrender control. We have to accept what Jesus did with his life, with his death, and with his resurrection, and we have to surrender. Romans says it like this, that we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. That lordship is important because that's control. We stop controlling and we release, we surrender. If you wanna surrender your situation, if you wanna surrender your relationships, if you wanna surrender your life, To the Lordship of Jesus, I want to pray with you today. The Bible calls you to be a disciple of Jesus. But to become a disciple, a follower, you first have to make a decision of surrender. And I want to give you that opportunity today to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus. That's you, for some of you, for the first time ever. Others of you, today's a day of recommitment. For whatever reason, you've resisted the Holy Spirit. You've ran. You've been doing life on your own for whatever reason, and today you're coming back. It's a day of rededication or recommitment. I'd love to share that moment with you and see you start that journey for the first time or start it afresh today. If that's you across all of our locations, you say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I want to start or restart my relationship with Jesus today. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All in the front here, stadium, gotcha. Yep, yep, yep. Sanford and Oviedo, go on Action Online. Just a couple more moments. You can put your hands down. If you raised your hand, would you pray this in your heart as I pray out loud, say this, say, God, <coughs> I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And today I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you, Jesus, our Lord, have your way. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. And God, I pray for all of us this week. I pray we would stop resisting and we'd receive, Holy Spirit, all that you have for us. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody at Action Church said amen. And amen, church. Can we celebrate all the decisions that were just made? Come on, really celebrate them. So proud of you.